Tonight we're going to talk about the story of Daniel. And you probably know the revelations of Daniel. You probably know Daniel as a prophet. You might not have known that Daniel did not become a prophet until he's 62 years old. That's the first time the Bible records him getting visions and, and seeing the end times. Uh, you probably remember the guy who was thrown in the lion's den. Well, that Daniel was 82 years old in the lion's den. But you may not remember the stories of the early Daniel. So I'm going to take only chapters 1 through 5. I'm not going to preach every verse so we don't have to break loaves and fishes tonight. Uh, but I am going to preach I'm going to preach the stories of the first five chapters of Daniel and tell you what age he was in that in those stories. And before we get there, I want to tell you that the Bible is filled with stories of people who were blessed that were not in line for an inheritance. They were not in line for a blessing. The Bible, when I hear the stories of the people in the Bible who just got blessed because God loved them, just because the favor of God, grace means you do get what you don't deserve. Anybody want grace? You do get what you don't deserve. Mercy means you don't get what you do deserve. Anybody want mercy? So, so the Bible is filled with stories of mercy and grace, and then every now and then, it's just like God looks over and winks. It's just like he says, you know what, I'm just going to bless you just so I can show the world how good I am. You have not done anything to deserve this. I'm not blessing you because you are more righteous than everybody else. I'm not blessing you because you're more holy than everybody else. No, as a matter of fact, I'm going to manifest my glory through you. I'm going to write a story through you that they will know that it doesn't belong to anybody but God. Even your enemies will have to say that had to be God. There's no way they could have done that on their own. And we see the Lord every now and then like wink. And that wink from God, that nod from God, that breath of God in the moment just ignites angels all around them. And we see what we now call favor. So favor just means that good things just start happening everywhere around you. And guess what? Favor still happens. There's a lot of people that walk in the favor of God. And I hope that the story of the young Daniel will inspire you to believe that you too are blessed and can walk in the favor of God as well. You know, I read stories like Ruth, a Moabite woman who worshiped the God of violence, Chemosh, and yet she gets to become the great-great-grandmother of King David. I see the stories of Rahab the harlot who is in the lineage of David. Rahab who lived in Jericho, a woman of ill repute, and God smiled on her one day because she hit a cup she hid a couple of spies and he smiled upon her and saved her household, cleansed her and put her in a royal bloodline. Hallelujah. Don't you know that's a blood transfusion from on high when God takes Rahab and turns her into a royal bloodline. I I, I love stories like Moses who was scheduled to be killed with other kids and he was hidden in the bulrushes and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and confused about who he was and God takes him to the wilderness and wrecks him and turns him into a leader and the favor of God was on his life. Or how about Solomon, the one son who shouldn't have been king. All the other kings of King David thought it would be them. They come from bloodlines, royal bloodlines. These were David's marriage with princesses and they would have had 
royal blood on both sides, but the woman he sinned with, who became his wife, Bathsheba, is the mother of Solomon. And I'm so glad that God, that God can turn stories like that around and make something good out of something that could have been a tragedy. Or the story of Noah, when the world was being destroyed, but the Bible says one thing, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and that changed everything. Grace, Noah, you're gonna get what you don't deserve. It's not because you're the most righteous man in the land, but I'm gonna choose you to preserve the earth, and with eight people, I will replenish the earth again and make all things new with eight people in an ark. Or the story of Abraham, an I, the son of an idol maker, grown up in idolatry, carving the idols, making the idols, selling the idols, and he ends up walking in covenant with Almighty God, and we are still walking in the blessings and the covenant of Abraham. How about the 12 disciples? My goodness, this ragtag bunch of teenagers and one angry old fisherman. I mean, God chooses 11 teenage boys and a mad fisherman who had a hot temper. He'd cut the ear off the soldier. He would rebuke Jesus, and he always had a loud mouth and was getting in a fight everywhere he went. And Jesus said, yes, I'll take you and the sons of thunder, and I'll take the, I'll take a, the, this one that just come out of the gang. I'll take Simon Zelotes. He just dropped out of the gang scene, and I'll take him too, and I'll take Matthew the tax collector, because everybody hates you, Matthew, because you work for the Romans, and I'll take you, and I'll take Judas, and I'll take, uh, and he took all these people and turned the world upside down with a teenage, with a youth group. I mean, he takes a youth group, and only Jesus can take a youth group and turn the world upside down. Or Paul, the Christian killer, who became the, who became the apostle to the Gentiles. What are the chances of that? A Pharisee of all Pharisees, employed by the Pharisees to kill the Christians, but a light came from heaven, and God said, you don't want me, but I want you, and I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. I'm going to give you grace, and I'm going to introduce you to the real Messiah, and you're going to pay a price for this in your body, but in the end, every person who ever calls upon the name of the Lord will know your name and read your story, and this Christian killer writes more in the New Testament than anybody else in the New Testament. These stories ought to inspire us to let us know that if God can do that through them, then your story's not so bad. God can do that through you. God can turn you around. God can heal your body. God can bless you financially. God can put you in a royal bloodline. No, you're not so far gone that you can't be blessed. And you're not so far messed up that you can't be blessed. God wants you. And that's what favor looks like. God said, I'm going to choose you to do something extraordinary on this earth. In the first six chapters of Daniel, I wanna give you Daniel's age before I start this because the story starts off with a 15-year-old boy. In Daniel chapter one, Daniel's 15 years of age, and in Daniel chapter two, Daniel is 18 years of age. And so when you hear these stories, I'll give this to you again, but I want you to realize most of these stories are about a teenager. When Daniel gets in Daniel chapter three, he's 21 years of age. This is when they all get thrown, not Daniel, but his three friends, get thrown into the fiery furnace. These are very young men. That's why we call them the Hebrew boys. 
In Daniel chapter four, four, Daniel is 51 years of age. And then in Daniel chapter five, Daniel is 61 years of age. And I'm gonna stop there. We could continue on in the story, but that's kind of where I wanna take you tonight. So let's go to chapter one of Daniel. There'll be several scriptures on the screen for you to follow along with me. So here's the first point I want to make. The first thing I wanna to talk to you about is that favor can turn around the worst of circumstances. Favor can turn around the worst of circumstances. So I want you to think about you. And I, first of all, before I get there, can I see a witness in the house that said, I, I'm proof of that. God has turned around the worst of circumstances and I'm living proof that God can turn it around. Hallelujah. So in Daniel chapter one, if you read in verse six, listen to this. Now, from among those, the sons of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now that was actually Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's Hebrew names. And all of them received uh, Babylonian names because they were taken into Babylonian captivity. Now, before we get into the next verse, let me tell you what's happened. So Judah has been overthrown. They've killed the royal family and they've taken four of the princes of Judah in as slaves into the Babylonian empire. And these are all teenage boys and they were given tests and they took the brightest of them. Some of the, all the other princes were murdered. They were all killed. And to make sure that they did not pass along the royal seed, they made eunuchs out of them. And so they, therefore they could never have children after that. They made eunuchs out of all four of these teenage boys. And then from then they put them under the chief of the eunuchs and that's where they ended up. They were serving the king's court under the chief of the eunuchs. And so they gave them new names. They started calling Daniel Belshazzar. So later on in the book of Daniel, when you hear that name, it's actually talking about him, but that's his Hebrew name. And then they started calling Hananiah Shadrach, Mishael, they called him Meshach, and Azariah, they called him Abednego. So, so these are the names of, the, of, the, of the, uh, the, the Hebrew boys and Daniel. Now, verse nine. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor. Everybody say the favor. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, I want you to see the circumstances they're in. They cannot have children. They cannot pass along the royal line. They're never going to marry. These are 15-year-old boys who are probably very angry, very hurt, very scared. And now they're serving Babylon as eunuchs in Babylon. And when the king began to interview them, they realized that they would most likely die too unless God intervened somehow and gave them something that set them apart apart from everybody else. And so the first thing that happened is they come into the favor of the eunuch. And when they come into the favor of the king of the eunuch, or the, the chief of the eunuch, they begin to serve the king and they got tested. They got tested so that they could receive promotion and advancement in the kingdom as some of the wise men. Now remember, they were thrown in, they're in the Chaldean court. So the Chal when you read about the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, that's just another name for them. So, so they're in the Chaldean court and, the, and the, the, the three Hebrew boys in Daniel, the four Hebrew boys are given tests so that they could advance. And what they found out was that overnight, God poured knowledge and wisdom into them. God 
God winked at them in a moment of favor. They went to bed one night with certain knowledge and they woke up the next day with understanding that they had not learned with, un, with skills they did not acquire in a classroom. It was not something they had mentored in. And when they tested with all the other magic, magicians and they tested with all the wise men of the land, the Bible says that they were 10 times smarter than all of the wise. Think about that. When they passed their test, they were 10 times smarter than all of the wise men in Egypt. And therefore they got close to the king and the king wanted them and their court. It looks like it can't get any worse, but all of a sudden God says, I'm going to make you 10 times better. I'm going to get you noticed. I'm going to put a skill in you that you did not have the day before and I'm going to get you noticed. Do you know that God still puts skills in people to get them noticed? God still lays his hands on people to give them things they did not learn. There's a story that I love to tell. It's not my story. It's a borrowed story, but there's a pastor in North Carolina. His, his pastor, Loran Livingston. Some of you might have heard of him in Charlotte, North Carolina. He tells a story about his father. His father, uh, during the time of the Great Depression, their family was starving, and they lived in a very small house. Loran was a very small boy, and they had no job. They had no money, and they wanted to get, his dad needed desperately to get employment. The only people hiring was the railroad company, and so he walked all day long into Charlotte, North Carolina, stood in a long line with a lot of other men, hoping to get a job with the railroad. Now, ordinarily, that would mean he would be slinging a sledgehammer. That would mean he would be driving spikes or sawing logs or something very manual. But the line was so long, by the time Brother Livingston got to the end of the line, they only had one job left and several people were wanting it. And the job was for a qualified engineer someone who could read the schematics of the train, someone who understood the mechanics of the train and the mechanics of the engine of the train, and he knew that he had never seen a train up close like that. When Brother Livingston got to the schematics, he looked down at them and he said he couldn't, he couldn't understand anything on the schematics. It was something like he had never seen. These blueprints were something like he had never seen before in his life, and he told the man, he said, listen, I didn't realize I was going to have to read and I didn't bring my glasses. Can I go back home tonight and come tomorrow with my glasses and read this? He said, well, I'm not supposed to do this, but we're not going to make the decision to tomorrow. So if you'll come back tomorrow, I'll let you read this with your glasses on and then I'll, I'll see if you can qualify. He said, Loran says his dad came home and walked in the door, did not go to the supper table and went into the bedroom. And he said the kids thought their dad was dying in that room said he cried like a dying man and he heard him when Loran went to sleep that night he heard his dad crying all night and he woke up the next morning his dad was already up and gone he had walked all the way back in the darkness of the morning back to Charlotte with his glasses in his pocket saying God if you don't help me I can't feed my family either, the, either give me this job or give me another job but I've got to feed my family brother Livingston walked in there and the man said well 
well, I didn't know if you'd show back up or not, but there's a lot of other guys here waiting on this job. He said he put his glasses on, and when he looked at those schematics, he understood everything about those schematics. He gave them the best interpretation. He showed them how the trade, he had never heard of this, never seen this before. Not only did he get the job, he kept the job as the train inspector for the next 30 years of his life. He was the train inspector there in Charlotte, North Carolina for the railroad company. Because God can give you a skill like he gave Dr. Mark Rutland Spanish. God can give you a skill. He can give you a language. You can go to bed one night and wake up with a wink from heaven and have an idea that can change your life for the rest of your life. A business opportunity. One phone call can change your life. One person. You can meet one person in a restaurant and it can change your life for the rest of your life. One handshake can change your life. Don't give up on the providence of Almighty God when He wants to bless you. So God can turn around the worst of circumstances with favor in your life. That's the story of Joseph's life. He went from the pit to the, to the prison, to the palace, and it looks like he was never gonna make it. Everything kept going wrong, but favor can get you out of the pit. Favor can get you out of prison, and favor can get you into the palace. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. I was in Hobart, Indiana. I was uh, flew into Chicago, and I was right across the Indiana line. And one of the groups that came in was a group of a big men's group of recovering prisoners. And these guys were in a rehab center, and there was a lot of them. And I tell you, I fell in love with those guys. They did not miss a service. They were the first ones on the altar. These desperate men were desperate. Listen, when I left on Sunday morning, after I preached Sunday morning, those guys had lined up, and they were saying things to, to me like, man, I'm going to go out there and God's going to turn my life around. I mean, they were shaking and they were hopping because they had hope inside of them and they believed that one guy said, I've been in prison for 26 years. He said, but I'm on the outside now, but I'm on the inside too. I'm not on the, he said, God's going to send me back in and I'm going to win people for the Lord. I've never heard a prisoner said, I want to get back in there. This guy did. He said, God's going to send me back in and there's going to be a revival in that prison in that prison system because God has got me out here. He saved me. He's cleaned me up. He's restored me and I'm going to go in and make a difference. All you need is one touch from heaven and a spark of hope reignites in your life and you can trust God for anything. You can believe it. The Bible says if you can believe it, you can have it. So if you can trust God, one touch from heaven can change your life for the rest of your life. So Joseph, or not Joseph, but Daniel and his companions are 15 years old and all of this happens because one touch of God 
gave them knowledge and skills that they did not have before at any time in their life. So here's what I'm gonna do. Every time I hit a point of this sermon, I'm gonna stop and pray. And I'm gonna ask everybody in that. Now, if I'm gonna do my part, I need you to do your part tonight. If you don't want this prayer, you don't have to stand up. But if you do want this prayer, you're gonna have to stand up. So here's the first prayer. And every point of this sermon, we're gonna have the altar call before the altar call tonight. Is that all right? Is it okay if God touches you right there in your seat? I mean, we're still gonna come up here later. But is it okay if God goes ahead and does his work right there in the middle of the sermon? It's kind of like when the Holy Spirit fell on the house of Cornelius while Peter was preaching. The Holy Spirit fell on them and they all received the Holy Ghost in the middle of the sermon. So I'm believing that that's gonna happen to you. So here's the first thing. I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna pray in faith and prophetically and apostolic authority. I'm gonna pray a prayer over you that the Holy Spirit is gonna give you an uncommon skill that you don't have right now and that you're gonna use it for the glory of God. So anybody that needs it, I want you to say it. I, I need a skill that I do not have right now. I'm believing that supernaturally God is gonna give me that skill. So I want you to reach out your hands like you're receiving a gift right now. Put them in in front of you like I'm about to give you something. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I declare supernaturally and prophetically that there are angels being released right now that are going to walk up and down this room and lay gifts in the hands of your people. In the name of Jesus, I declare by it's not by might, it's not by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts, you are going to bring supernatural gifts. Open up minds in Jesus' name. Open up eyes in Jesus' name. Open up ears in Jesus' name. Father, I pray, God, that someone will recognize that they have a skill set they did not learn and they did not earn, that you gave it to them supernaturally. Lord, you're still doing this. We're still seeing evidence. So tonight, prophetically, I prophesy that this is done in Jesus' name and you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has has come upon you and you will be witnesses of this account in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Now, if you believe that you received that, I want you to clap your hands and thank God for it. Hallelujah. You can be seated. There's gonna be a few more. There's about five more. So you can, listen, you can stand up, get in the line for everything God's given out tonight. Amen. That's what, if I was you, I, I might just have to stay standing because I want it all. Whatever God wants me to have, I want it all. Hallelujah. So let's go three years later. Daniel's 18 years old. So this is the story of an 18 year old Daniel. Daniel and his three friends have been serving the king's court now in the, the Chaldean court for three years. And the king has a troubling dream, and in his dream, he calls for his wise men to interpret the dream. Now, they're called before him with everybody else, so, so all three of these guys, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all the magicians, all the, all the governors, all the wise men come before the king, and he tells them, here's, here's the caveat, he does not tell them the dream. He says, you have to tell me what I dreamed because he knew if he told them the dream that they could just make up anything 
and, and he would get 10 answers. So, or, or 200 answers, you know. So he said, you have to tell me the dream and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. And none of it happened. I mean, they were there, they're all, they're all stumped. And the king gets so angry that all of these men, these guys that are pulling, you know, these, these magic tricks, the magicians and all these guys that say they have this power, nobody knows the dream. And so the king decides he's gonna kill every one of them. So these boys are 18 years old. They've only been there. They're, they're, they're Hebrew boys in Babylon. And now they're all going to be killed. So they decided to fast. How many think that's good timing, right? That's a good time to fast. If you don't know when to fast, you'll know it when you get there. I promise you. There are times that you just know it's now or never. And these guys decided they would go on a fast. And they had an all-night prayer meeting. When's the last time you've been in one of those? They had an all-night prayer meeting. And when they got down and began to pray in the morning, when the morning came, Daniel got the dream and got the interpretation. God gave him a vision. He's an 18-year-old boy. They go back to the king. He tells him the vision and tells him exactly what it means. You know what the king does on the spot to this 18-year-old? He promotes him to second in command in the whole kingdom. This is an 18-year-old Hebrew boy. He's only been there. He's not Babylonian. He has no Babylonian blood, but because he has this uncommon gift, and now he, he not only has the favor of the chief eunuch, he now has the favor of the king. The king advances him, and this is what happens when God advances your friends. He said, well, king, I got three guys I want to bring up with me. Can they come up too? He said, well, they didn't interpret anything, but why not? And he made governors out of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, if you don't think you can get blessed, just ask God to bless some of your friends. Then you can just tag along and be pulled up the ladder with the rest of them. All right. So, so this is what happens because the favor of God is upon them that God begins to give them this amazing gift. Now, this is the gift that God gave him. He gave them the ability to see hidden things. God gave them the ability to reveal secrets. We would call this a gift of discernment. How many of you remember Todd White, who has, who has spoken several times at Warrior Fest? Um, I have a dear friend who, who I work with him in his church. Up, You've heard me talk about Pastor Adam Bauer. Last week, I talked about Pastor Adam Bauer. Yeah, I'm going to have him to come and preach for us next year. You're going to love this guy. So Pastor Adam Bauer uh, was, was going to a conference, and the host pastor asked him to go out and eat with them, and Todd White was one of the speakers. Pastor Adam said they went to a buffet, and he said they all got their food and they sat down this buffet and they noticed that Todd was the last one to get up there. And he said he went up and he told this man at the buffet, he said, listen, you've got pain in your right hip and the Lord told me to pray for you. He's at a buffet. You got pain in your right hip and the Lord told me to pray for you and that he was gonna heal you. Can I pray for you right here? And the guy said, yes, I do have pain. And Todd White prayed for that man at a Chinese buffet. He prayed for him and that guy got healed. He went back and told somebody else and they came up to Todd. Three people got healed at the buffet before he ever got back to his seat, God told, every, God told Todd each time what these people needed. And it was time for them to leave. Now, he didn't make a big deal out of this. He didn't come back and say, man, did you see what happened? They were, Adam was watching this, and he was blown away by this. So when it come time for them to leave, uh, they said, uh, who, I want to pay the bill. And he said, no, I've got it. He said, no, I really need to pay the bill. He said, no, you don't understand. You're our guest. We're not going to let you pay the bill. He said, no, I, I have to pay it. They said, we don't know why you're insisting, but you're not going to pay it. So the pastor went and paid the bill, 
and Todd said, I need to order one more soda. And they brought him a bill for one soda and he went up and I, I don't know if I have the amount right. Adam can tell you the exact amount. I should have looked up the story because I did write it down, but I'm gonna give you what I think it was. And he said that he paid for the price of a soda, which was, you know, probably five bucks, three to five bucks. And his tip was $164.18. And he gave it to the lady behind the counter that was, that was the uh, cashier. And she said, "Why this? something's wrong. He said, no, ma'am, you, your phone bill is about to be turned off. Your cell phone bill is about to be turned off and you will lose custody of your child because you're in a custody battle with your ex-husband. And if you don't have a phone bill that's paid up, you will lose custody. And the Holy Spirit said, this is the amount of your phone bill. And when he told her that, that girl dropped to her knees and began to cry out. She got saved right there on the spot because a man of God had heard God revealed a secret to him and that lady gave her heart to the Lord and that's exactly what was going on and the Lord revealed the exact amount. Let me tell you something. I know that everybody's getting a word these days and everybody's, you know, stretching their roots, but somebody needs to get specific. Somebody, I love general prophecies, but somebody needs to read the mail and put a stamp on it and when you hear it, you know it was from God and nobody could have told them that but the Lord. I actually met with uh, with Nick Walker. Good to see you tonight, buddy. He's uh, he's he's he just he's been in a 15 month uh, uh, evangelistic meeting in West Virginia. He's uh, I said 15 month, 15 week revival. 1,600 people baptized. Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing? And he's just resting. And he and I were meeting today, and he was telling me that I, I played for you that prophetic word that Tommy Bates gave me at the main event. But what he didn't know is, he, what you may not know is he also called up Nick Walker. Nick Walker wrote a book. Uh, what's the title of the caveman book? What's the title of that? Revelation from a caveman, and the first chapter is on the cave of Adullam. And when Tommy Bates walked over to him, he said, Hey, caveman. He didn't know he'd written a book. He just met him that morning. He said, Hey, caveman. And if you listen to that prophecy, he calls him a caveman. He says, You're coming out of the cave of Adullam. And then he prophesies over his future and tells him, Nick said, There is no way in heaven that man could have known any of that. Only God could have revealed that, that precise. It was the book and the first chapter of the book. I mean, everything that he was dealing with, the Lord said that. We need somebody to get a hold of God who can get a word from God that removes all doubt and speaks into God's people in a very precise way. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand His kingdom around the world.